Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's word. Um, as I mentioned before, between Friday and, and uh, Saturday, I spoke 11 hours in a 22-hour span. It was very intense, and I knew that uh, um, I probably should have someone to come and share the word today because of all the work of the last couple days. And I called Pastor uh, Charles Hammond, who is one of the first pastors I ever met in my life. And uh, he's been at the Brooklyn Tabernacle for 36 years um, and um, has made his life, has made a huge mark on my life. And I, um, I model a lot of what I do based on things that I learned from him. And I, one of the first impressions that I, and this, this actually, this marked me for life. Um, one of the first times I, I had a, 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 like a real interaction with Pastor Hammond, I was in a ministry and uh, I was helping this guy who was battling with drugs. And so I arranged an appointment with Pastor Hammond and we went in and sat, and Pastor Hammond talked to him. And I'll never forget, um, at the end of him talking to the guy and encouraging him from the Word of God, he said, I want to pray for you. And I had never done this before, so I didn't know, what do you do? Like, do you stand up? Do you hold hands or whatever? And so I was kind of, he could see me fidgeting. He said, no, no, sit there, sit there. So we sat there. So he walked around, and he got on his knees. And he laid hands on us, and um, and he just he just wept over us, and um, and that moment taught me what it is to be a real pastor. You know, my wife was saying before that um, I'm such a crybaby. I've learned how to weep over you and love you because that's what he taught me, and because um, uh, I know that that's what he has done, and. Um, he's such a wonderful man of God, and I feel so honored to call him pastor and friend. And I want you to give him a warm hand of welcome. Come on, let's give him a warm welcome, Pastor Charles Hammond. Well, good afternoon, everyone. And um, it is a joy and a delight for me to be here with you this day. And um, I've been saying it all day, but you're you're. A totally new congregation, so I want you to hear this again, though. But thank you again, Pastor Toledo, and to your dear wife, Chrissy, for this um, special invitation. I really uh, consider this a, a real divine appointment from the Lord, um, not because I'm here, but because of this great opportunity to see the wonderful work that God is doing in this part of Chicago. Uh, I've been to Chicago before several times in the past. I was, in fact, I was here maybe just a month ago, came through Chicago to go to Grand Rapids, but I hadn't been back to Chicago in quite some time. And to see this third service for this day with you sitting here is just, it's just to God be the glory. To God be the glory. Hallelujah. I... I said because I, um, well, we've been like 8.30, 10.30, and here we are, 12.30. And um, I want to change this up a little bit. I'm going to speak, I believe, the same message, but I want to speak it a little differently. 
because I, I just feel that I want to put a different uh, slant on it. But as I said in the two previous services today, and I um, read verses from uh, the book of Timothy, Second Timothy, referring really to your pastor and his pastoral staff, because I'm, a, I'm sort of an outsider, even though I don't feel like I'm an outsider. I feel family. I feel loved here. And that's a good mark because when Jesus said you'll know his disciples because of the love that they have one for another. From the minute I got here off the plane on yesterday to this moment right now, there has been nothing but an outpouring of love upon me. And I'm just overwhelmed by it. But I know that that's a true mark of the people of God. So thank you for your, for your love to him. But I said to your pastor, uh, I'm paraphrasing now, but I said, uh, brother, Continue to preach the word. Be in season and out of season. Because the danger is, is that a time is coming when, when people are going to turn away from the truth. And they'll only want to hear what their itching ears want them to hear. But I said, brother, stay steadfast. And I can applaud today Chicago Tabernacle because I know that the truth of God is being preached here. And Jesus said, they will know the truth And guess what? The truth will set you free. So hallelujah to that. You know, the day day we're living in, um, there's all kind of surveys and pollsters talking about in certain church circles the decline of church attendance and all those kinds of things. But, um, you know, they took a survey one time of a group of church attenders, I think a thousand church attenders, and they asked them, what, what, is, what is the single most important thing to you as a church attender? And would you believe uh, 89%, almost close to 90% said, oh, that's easy. Uh, I expect my personal needs and my family's personal spiritual needs to be met. It only, only 10% or 11% said, well, wait a minute, no, the church the true church of the living God, the mission is to, to, to win and see souls come into the kingdom of God. And um, I'm happy that there's a church in downtown Chicago that is part of that 10% that says, no, we're going to be a place where the sick can be healed and where, and where the lame, spiritually speaking, can walk. And uh, as the book of Revelation, the writer said in the last chapter, chapter 22, he said, whosoever will may come. And so may Chicago Tabernacle always be a place where Jesus is exalted. Hallelujah. To God be the glory. Yeah, give him one more hand. And so here we are. Here we are today. And um, I bring you greetings from the Brooklyn Tabernacle Church where um, I've been on. Pastor Toledo mentioned that I've been at the church for 36 years uh, come this November, Lord willing. But I've been on the pastoral staff since 1988 and um, have enjoyed every moment of it. In 2005, a door opened up for me to take another position as well as a dean of students at a Christian college, Nyack College. So I'm serving both hats. But, um, but just God has been so good. God has been so good. That song, You Made a Way. Oh, my goodness. Does anybody have a testimony that he made a way? He made a way. I'm another one of those testimonies that I wouldn't be standing here today. I wouldn't even be alive had he not made a way. And I thank him for that. 
Well, I came across a startling article not too long ago from Christianity Today. And um, I don't want to mention who the uh, well-known evangelical writer is. If I mentioned his name, you'd know it, perhaps. But the import of the article was is that he basically was saying that the day in which we're living in, we might as well just lift up and raise up the, the white flag of surrender or defeatist, if you will, in terms of the way legislation is going today and all of the political nuances and all of what we see happening, be it from same-sex marriages to you name it. In other words, it was almost as though he was saying, listen, we just have to, it is what it is. And we just have to, the church is in a new day. And, um, and I was startled by it. I was startled by it. And I say, no, no, no. The church is the church of the living Christ. And we're going to continue to preach the gospel. Yes, we don't, we don't hate the sinner. We love the sinner. But we, we de despise of the sin. But we preach the word. And we stay true to the word. And so that's my, my exhortation to your pastor today. But, but here's the thing. The day we're living in right now, with all of this, I'm not here to, I'm not preaching a political message to you. I'm not here to give you, preach against same-sex marriage or anything like that. But I do, I do want to uh, give you this message that I, that's burning in my heart. And it's, it's along these lines. Have you realized that the day that we're living in right now, amidst all of what I just said, they're calling this age the age of anxiety. Everybody say anxiety. Anxiety in one way or another. And it takes its different forms uh, in many ways, as we'll see from the, from the scriptures that we're going to read. But, but it not only applies to we that are here, and most of the audience I see are adults, young adults. But, but I want you to note that it, takes, it translates down even to adolescents and teenagers and even to children. In other words, this thing of anxiety is rampant. They polled a, a number of college students and they asked them this question or they really uh, said, what is the number one thing or emotion that you're facing right now? And the number one uh, answer, or I should say it this way, over 60% of those that responded said this, one word, fear. Fear. Plagued with fear. I spoke at a chapel service uh, up in the Rockland campus of where I told you that I'm part of the college. We have two campuses. We have an upstate campus and then we have a New York City campus. I'm in the New York City campus. But I went up to the Rockland campus and I spoke in the chapel. Four or five hundred students were in, in the audience. And after I finished speaking, young people were coming to the altars and crying out to God. It was a good, good time. And I noticed a lady, or I should say a young girl standing over there, and she seemed like she, you know, had been moved upon by the Holy Spirit in the meeting. But uh, I went over to her. I said, how you doing? Everything okay? And she just said, she said, they call me Dean Hammond. She says, Dean, thank you. She was sobbing, but she said, thank you for the message. Thank you for the message today. I'm going to be okay now. I says, good. She says, because this past weekend I was contemplating suicide. Young girl, good looking, pretty girl. Wanting to, wanting to take her life. 
But the, but the, but the sad thing is, is that she represents who knows how many other folks that because of the day we're living in, and listen, you could take this to the nth degree. I mean, whether it's, it's all of the onslaughts of reading the news or not reading the news or seeing what's going on in our world, wouldn't you, wouldn't you agree? The world is out of control. And if you and I are not careful, we, we can be almost lured into the trap of allowing circumstances and current events and things that are happening around us and personal needs, you name it, if we're not careful, we can allow those things to almost kind of, kind of paralyze us and get us to a place where we become numb and then we don't even, you know, we, we can't even function. But I'm here to tell you this morning, this afternoon, that, and it's the name of my message here, it's just a distraction. Listen to me. It's just a distraction. Because the truth of the matter is that as I look out into this audience, how many, by just the simple raise of your hand, have, have asked Christ, have asked the Lord Jesus Christ to come into your life at one time or another and confessed that you need him as your Lord and your Savior? Yes, yes. Pray to God that everyone here would make that, would make that, that, that transaction. You know, if any man, any woman be in Christ, they are what? They're a new creation. All of us that are believers here, we realize how we lived or how our lives were before Christ. And now here we are experiencing the joy of the Lord and all that goes with that, right? But here's, here's what happens. Just because you're here today in this service, this last service of the day on this last Sunday of August, the devil's plan is to destroy, steal, kill, and destroy, right? It's not about just you coming to church and going on your merry way after today and going to work tomorrow or the next day and say, well, I went to church on Sunday. No, no, that, that's an American thing. God has a specific purpose and plan for every life in here. Come on. He has a purpose. He didn't just go to the cross of Calvary and shed his precious blood so that you and I could go to church on Sunday. He has a purpose. He has a divine plan. You that are Christians here, you have been given, Peter tells us, you have been given certain gifts. And those gifts are so that you can be a blessing to the body of Christ and to the world. And so that's the reason that you're here today, because we want to see what it is that God wants to do in and through our lives. Every Sunday that you come here, and I said this to Pastor Toledo, it's a daunting responsibility to have to every Sunday as lead pastor, as senior pastor, along with his great pastoral staff, to, to, to feed you the word of God every Sunday. And to give you a spiritual diet that allows you, as Peter said, to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. Daunting responsibility. But then comes our responsibility, and that is to receive the word of God and then to be able to grow and be salt and light like Jesus has suggested that we would be. So that's how it works. But I want to talk to you a few moments about the fact that what happens in our lives, if we're not careful, it's just a distraction. Turn with me in your Bibles or you're going to see it on the screen right now, to the first book of the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew. And the portion of Scripture that we're going to read from is really just a slither of uh, ten verses from what they call the Sermon on the Mount. And we're going to read from Matthew chapter 6, 
and um, just 10 verses. Uh, so read along with me or follow as I read Jesus talking to his disciples. But guess what? You and I are his disciples. Amen? So he who hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit would say today. No one can serve two masters, for he either, either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. For is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into bonds, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And here we go again. Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself, for sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Amen to the reading of God's word. Now, this text, 10 verses, part of the Sermon on the Mount, it could be summarized very simply like this. Listen, God does not want any of us that are his children to be, to be lured into his kingship or his lordship. You know what kingship and lordship are, right? When, I, when you and I surrender to Christ, he, the spirit of the Lord comes to live in us, okay? But it's about more than just, okay, I'm a Christian now, and I, I'm, I'm forgiven of my sins. That's all part of it. But, but, but we go further because the Lord wants you and I to surrender our entire lives over to his, his authority, his rule. And that's what I'm talking about when I say lordship and kingship. So, God does not want any of us to be seduced or to be coerced into his lordship by cultivating anxiety. You get it? This, this isn't supposed to happen because, because we're so anxiety-ridden that we serve the Lord or we serve out of fear. No, quite the opposite. When you and I, who are born, blood-bought Christians, it frees us from anxiety. It frees us from all of the, all of the tyranny of, 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 of the bondage that, that, we, that comes when we don't know Christ. Oh, yes, it does. I can tell you, starting with my own uh, story, and I'm sure you have your own story, how, how much bondage I was in and how, 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 how just anxious and tight I was before I came to Christ. 
Oh, how do I look? What do I say? What do I do? Oh, the list goes on and on. I told the church this morning, next to the word anxiety in the, bio, in, in the dictionary is a picture of me. But how about you? Do you remember your life before you surrendered to Christ? How you were so worried about this and worried about that and, and fretting? How did people see you and all those kinds of things? The Lord doesn't want any of us to be anxious about any of those things. So notice this, though. When the Bible emphasizes or puts emphasis on a certain phrase or it repeats itself more than once, twice, three times, he who hath an ear, listen. Because three times in this passage we notice that Jesus says the same thing. Did you get it? Do not be what? Do not be what? Do not be anxious. Had a young man, nice young man, came in our office after the um, second service and was just telling us about things that he's involved in in his life and some decisions he had to make. And he, he said to us, he said, said to Pastor Tulia, he says, yeah, I got these decisions and stuff to make, but I'm so, I'm so anxious. Oh, he said, oh, then I heard the sermon today. <laughs> and the Lord wants to remind all of us today that there's a peace and there's a place of rest and joy that he has for all of us. Hallelujah. Why else do Christians... I, I, I remember a time when I, I was working for the business world before the Lord brought me full time in, in that sense. And, and I worked for a pharmaceutical company and, um, and um, had a good, good position, but I left it. And then I started working full time at the church. And I think it was about a year or two, I got the opportunity to go back to that place right in Manhattan where I used to work. And I visited some of my colleagues that I had worked with. And I saw some of them, good to see him. I went to one fella, he worked in what they could, he was the vice president of what they call quality control for this pharmaceutical company. Pretty, pretty, uh, pretty just important position. And when I walked in his office, I was like, I was taken back. I hope he didn't see how shocked I was. It looked like the guy had aged about 20 years. And it was only two years that I had been away. I was just shocked at how, how, how just the stress of life I just had taken, he, he said to me, oh God, forgive me. He said to me, wow, Charles, you look great. And, and I said, yeah, you said, so do you. I mean, uh, <laughs> I, I repented because <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't look so great. But, um, you, know, one, you know, what can I tell you? But you know what, that's, that's something for us to really be aware of. So, so let's, let's try to unpack this a little bit, okay, um, about why you and I are not supposed to be anxious. Let's just do it this way. Look at verse 25 again. Look at verse 25. And Jesus says this, Therefore I tell you, don't be anxious about your life. Notice, what does he say? About what you're going to eat, you're going to drink, about your body, what you will put on. Why? Why is he saying that? And then he tells us, because isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Now watch this, because sometimes we, we, we read the word, maybe you're not guilty of this, but I've done this. I'll read through, especially sometimes in my devotion, I try to, uh, not try, every, every morning I have a bunch of devotional books on my patio out on the, before I go to work, and, and I read through some of them, got my coffee right there, but... Um, you have to be careful because when you're reading the Word of God, sometimes you get so used to it, you read something, and then if you were to ask yourself the next second, well, what would you just read? I don't know. you got to be careful with that. 
Listen to me. So, so the word of God, be careful. Read it. You know, David said this, I meditate day and night on the word of God. You know what meditate means? You don't read it like you're reading a, the newspaper. You read a, a verse or two and you let it marinate in your, I like to use that word, you let it marinate. You like to let, let it process. You know, your pastor, when he was on the, on the, on the, on the staff at Brooklyn Tabernacle, I told him this today, he, he, he used to use a phrase that I still to this day use many a time when I'm talking to people. And he, and he would say this to us. He'd say, you know what, sometimes after a good sermon, a good sermon, you need, you need, a, you need a minute to process it. You need, you need to take time to process the word of God. And I, I like that because sometimes we just have to let the word of God just sort of, you know, just marinate in our spirit. And that's what these verses are all, all about. Because here's why. Why do you think Jesus would say that life is about more than food and the body more than clothing? And I'll tell you why. Number one, food is pleasurable. We like food. I like a good steak. Sorry. They took me out last night for a meal uh, at, a, at a nice Italian restaurant. Hey, I didn't go in there and say to the pastor that took me, wow, thank you for taking me to this restaurant. It's very nice of you. But, you know, the food is horrible. No, I didn't say that. We enjoyed our time together. We really did. We had a great fellowship, and, um, and I enjoyed that food. <laughs> Come on, praise God. <laughs> the food was good. So we enjoy it. It's pleasurable, okay? And then number two, uh, accolades of encouragement. You know, the Bible called Barnabas a son of encouragement. It's okay to be encouraged, but we have to be sure that we don't take it past that. And, and by that, I mean, listen, does anybody live in a house where you don't have any mirrors? I don't think so. We have mirrors because we want to see what it is that we're putting on. And we want to make sure that things seem to at least coordinate or match up. Come on, you don't have to say amen, but I'll say amen for you. Thank you. But we, we want to look presentable, okay? I'll just say presentable. But we, 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 we want that affirmation. And then, of course, you know, the, the body, you know, clothing. I mean, I mean, we want to put clothing on. Clothing helps us to stay healthy. I mean, in cold weather, you put clothes on. You, you know, we were talking about who likes the cold weather versus the warm weather. I like the cold weather. I worked in Michigan for a lot of years, but, you know, in the cold weather, you keep putting on layers and layers of clothes. But when it's hot, how much can you take off? <laughs> it gets to a point where what are you going to do? But all those things, listen to me, I'm going I'm, I'm to bring this into a spiritual point right now. All of those things, the pleasures of food, you know, the affirmation of people telling us, hey, you know, you look good today and all of this kind of stuff the longevity of wanting to stay healthy and all that. Jesus has a very pointed response to it because we get in trouble because we get anxiety-ridden about all of those things. We worry about all of those things. You remember where Jesus came across or came by Martha and Mary's house in Luke 10? And the Bible says that, but Martha using one of the words in the message in my title of my message it says but Martha was distracted by her preparation in other words it's really meaning she was distracted by all the many things that she was preparing and doing but Jesus says but Mary has chosen what the better thing what was the better thing sitting at the master's feet hallelujah hey i'll put it this way enjoying Jesus 
I'll tell you what, I'll take enjoying Jesus any day. Hallelujah. I'll take enjoying Jesus any day. I'll take enjoying Jesus any day. You know, I'm not, I'm not a wealthy person by any stretch of the imagination. And I may not have what the world's accolades and all of that, but I'll tell you what, I am a blessed person I, because of Jesus. I'm married to a wonderful lady, you know, and two beautiful children, two grandchildren. Oh, my goodness, I'm a blessed person. And I love the fact that Jesus is the center of our life. And that's what makes it so beautiful. But how about this? Not only this, I like the way the writer uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, you're talking about this whole thing of accolades and affirmation. Listen to what Paul says to the church at Galatia in the New Living Translation. He says, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people. Listen, but of who? Of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. Listen, beware of people and beware of the world applauding you and patting you on the back and saying, you're okay, I'm okay, and God is not in it. Beware of that. I'd rather have the world push me aside and have Jesus say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Hallelujah. I picked on this side of the congregation this morning, so I'll pick on this side. Let's see. I love all of you. I don't know any of you, but I respect all of you. I love all of you, but you know what? In all due respect, it's not about all of you. It's about loving Jesus. That's the most important, and that's what, hap that's what happens. That's how we get anxiety ridden, because we're worried about pleasing people. Listen to me. We're worried about pleasing people. Oh, if the church could just get this. Someone asked me, one of the pastors asked me last night, what's, he said, Pastor, what's your life verses? Or what's your, what's your what, you know, tell me something. I'm a young pastor. You've been around for a minute. Tell me something that could help me. I said, brother, that's easy. I'll give you my two life verses. Colossians chapter 3, verses 17, and then verse 23. I may get them mixed up of which is which first, but both, here's what they say. One says, whatever you do, do it with all of your heart. And the other one says, whatever you do, this is the real one, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. And I've tried to live by those two verses. Listen, hallelujah, there's nothing worse than a half-baked anything. Whatever you're going to do, do it with all your heart. When I was lost in sin, I was doing it with all my heart. It's nothing for me to give all of what I have now to Jesus because he's my all. If it weren't for him, I wouldn't be alive today. And so I'm going to serve the Lord with all of my heart. And then, and just as important, remember this, whatever you and I do, listen to me, do it all to the glory of God. Do it all to the glory of God. You're not here to please Pastor Toledo. You're not here to please anybody but the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. And so get that into your spirit because that's so important. The, the third thing about why life is more than food and the body more than clothing, longevity, length of time, how, however long we live on this side of eternity, I like to say. Doesn't matter, 50, 60, 40, 70, 80, 90 years. The, our senior pastor, should God uh, allow his mother, his mother to see November, should be 102. 102. 
102. You know how crazy this is? It just comes to me. Let's just say when she was 100. What, maybe 101, now that I think about it. I preached a sermon at the church, Pastor Toledo. And um, that week, she, she's 100 now, 101. She sends me a, a letter, a note, about telling me and giving me back my points of my sermon and, 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 and how it blessed her. And, and, and she says, I got to give one of these to my son, my other son, not, not Pastor Simbler, her other son, in, in wherever he is, Midwest, because he needs to hear this truth. She's 101 and she's, she's writing like that. Oh, my goodness. But you know what? doesn't matter how many years God gives us. We have to keep our eyes on eternity. Because you and I are just pilgrims passing through. I hope this is helping you to get, ang- get anxiety out of your life. Be free of it today. God has work for us to do, and we just get distracted by it. Let me just quickly bring this to a close. One other thing, verse 32, you don't have to put it up there. But the writer says this, he says, but the Gentiles seek after all these things, but God knows what you need. That's interesting. The Gentiles seek after all these things, but God knows what you mean, what you need. What is, what, what is that saying to us? Here's what it's saying to us. That when you and I, number one, life is more than food and clothing. Amen. Number two, when you and I allow anxiety and the cares of this world and all the stuff that we get involved with, when we allow it to to just get us to a place of, ah, guess what? We're just like the unbeliever. We're just like the person that has no hope. I'm not shocked at people that are, are resorting to things to kind of anesthetize them out of their cares. They, if you don't have Jesus here, I, I, I get it. I get it. But we have Jesus. But we have the answer. But we have the hope. Somebody hear me today. And because we have Jesus, then yes, do the circumstances, sometimes they're the same. Sometimes the bottom drops out. Listen, if you're a Christian here, that doesn't mean that there'll never be a stormy day in your life. But through it all, we can go through it with a joy of knowing that Christ has your back. Hallelujah. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the writer says, I will fear no evil. And that's what this world needs today. It needs for the Christian to showcase how good God is. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. This world is crazy with a capital C. But you and I, this is a time for the Christian to stand strong. Hallelujah. Yeah, Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. And I'm saying today, Pastor Hammond's saying, whatever may come, I'm going to still trust in my Jesus. And so that's for all of us. So let me close. Bottom line. What are we supposed to do then, Pastor? Simple. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first. First means what? First. It's a very potent word in the Greek language. That first means with an emphasis. It means put it first. It means not just sequentially one comes before two and all of that. No, put it, put it as you've got to do it. Whatever you're facing today, I don't care what it is, a decision, a ministry, you're looking for a spouse, a job, a, you, you fill in the blank. Put Jesus first in it and see what he'll do. 
And that seeking is, is, is a rich word in verse 33. It's a different word than the seeking in verse 32. Notice Jesus said, but the Gentiles seek. It's a different word. It, it's, a, it's a seeking like a, a striving with, you know, you, with your vein coming out and, and anxiety ridden. No, no, that's not the kind of seeking. He says in verse 33 where he says, but seek first the kingdom. The word there suggests a hungering and a longing for God. David said in Psalm 63, oh God, early have I woke up and I seek your face. It's a hunger. It's a yearning. It's like, it's like you got to have it. It's like we pray sometimes before a meeting, Jesus or bust. Got to have Jesus. The work that's called for in this church, it has to be Holy Spirit. It can't be just programs, you know, manufactured. I, I applaud the great things going on here. It's wonderful what God is here, is doing here. But it all has to be Jesus first. Jesus first. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me just close this. You know, I'm so thankful. I was talking about wants and needs. I'm so thankful that God doesn't give us all the time what we, what we want. But he knows exactly what we need. Oh, yes, he does. And sometimes what we need, we, we, we want this position or we want this open door. We want, we want, we want, we want, we want. And he knows. Close with this. Back in the day when I was working for General Motors, I can remember it like it was yesterday. And I was traveling back and forth from New York to Michigan, to Detroit, because I worked for GM, Flint, Michigan, Saginaw, uh, Pontiac, Michigan, all those places. And, I, and literally, they wanted me to move to Detroit, you know, which would have made sense, but I didn't want to move. I just wanted to stay in New York. So what did I do? For three years, listen to me, for three years, I traveled every Monday through Friday from Detroit, uh, from, from New York, LaGuardia to Detroit. Every, I, I, I knew the pilots and the, and the stewardesses. I knew the shifts they were on. I get on the plane, they go, hey, Charles. Yeah. But um, three years I did that. But I couldn't take it. I couldn't take it after a while. And I went in to my boss when I was home for a respite on a Friday. And I said, Gus, I remember his name. I said, Gus, I can't do this traveling back and forth. It wasn't like now where, gosh, you got it's, you know, with, with, with the scanning and everything that's going on today. Tr flying was different then. But I said, I can't do it any longer. I can't do Have you ever been to a place where you say, I can't, I can't do it anymore? And, um, I, and I said, please, give me another assignment. Reassign me to something that will keep me in New York. He said, you know, Charles, go to lunch, and when you come back, uh, we'll talk. So I went to lunch, and I just knew that, you know, I said, oh, God, touch his heart, you know. And um, I went to lunch, came back from lunch, went right back into his office. I said, what do you think, Gus? knowing that he was going to say something. He looked at me, he says, Charles, I understand what you're saying, but um, just do it. You ready? Just do it for another year. I thought, I, I said, I said, did you say a month? Did, did, did you say, did you say a couple of weeks? Just do it for another year? And, and I said, no, this can't be. I, this can't be. But ladies and gentlemen, can I tell you before a holy God, God knew what I needed because for another year, I got on that plane, and I remember, st I, remember I, I stayed in the Detroit Plaza Hotel in downtown Detroit. I left my clothes there over the weekend because I was there every week. All I did was travel with a tache case on the plane. 
And I can remember standing there on the 55th floor, that's where my room was, and I would look out that Detroit window and see the, 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 the water and, and with tears coming down my eyes saying, God, what, what's going on here? But it was during that time that God was doing something deep in my life causing me to depend on him like no other way that probably had I gotten another position in New York or something. I, I, I'm telling you, you talk about God knowing what I needed versus what I want. I believe I'm in ministry today and a lot of what's going on in my life because God said, no, just do it another year. And I'm saying to somebody here today, don't fight when God is delaying or when he's not saying anything. Because sometimes God answers in silence. Sometimes he says nothing. And you're wondering, where is God? He's right there. But he's wanting you to, he's, he's wanting to see if you're willing to just wait on him. And say, though I don't see it, I'm still going to trust you. And so today, in all of what's going on, I've come by Chicago Tabernacle today to just remind us, keep your eyes on Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. Thank God for the good work that's going on here. But can I tell you something? There's more work to be done. There's more souls to come into the kingdom. And maybe it's some of your, your co-workers or your neighbors or your relatives or whoever, your enemies. And God wants to use you. Bow your heads with me right now. Just bow your heads with me. I so, I so thank God for this this opportunity. Lord knows I prayed and I said, Lord, please show me what you want me to say today. And I believe this is what God placed in my heart for us today. And if there's anybody here today in the quietness of this moment, that while I was speaking, it's as though this message might've had your name on it. And it's okay. As I said earlier in the day, it's okay because that's why, that's why God brings us together. Yes, it's a place to, to see souls one for the kingdom. That's all part of it. But it's also a place for, for, the, for the beloved to be healed, to be strengthened, to be encouraged. Listen, we get beat up enough during the week. We need to come together on a Sunday where we can be encouraged. And I would love this opportunity. I'm out of here after tomorrow. I'll fly back to New York. But I, I said, God, help me today to be your agent. And I would love the privilege, the honor the honor of praying for anyone that would say, Pastor Hammond, thank you for the word of the Lord. Include me in the prayer. If that's you, just slip your hand up right now. I'd love to pray for you. I really would. In fact, come on, we got a moment. Get out of your seat and just come here and just stand at this altar so I can just look, you, look at you and pray. Thank you, my sister. Thank you. Thank you. Come on, just come on out of your seat right now. Come to this altar so I can pray for you. It's my joy, my privilege. All I want is the blessing of God. This is not about prosperity. This is not about uh, big or anything. This is about you and I being the agents that the Lord has called each of us to be. And I serve notice on the devil today that he is defeated in the name of Jesus. This is holy ground in this place. And I declare that the work that he has begun in each of you he will complete it. That's the word of the Lord. Listen to me today. The work that God is doing in your life, he promises to complete it. He's not a partial God. What he starts, he finishes. 
So you that are here in the front, some of you have your hands lifted up. If you don't mind, just lift a hand up to the Lord. Just He sees your hand. More importantly, he sees your heart. Father, you see every hand that's raised right now to heaven. God, you see the hearts of the people. You see them crying out to you, Lord. And so, God, I just pray in the name of Jesus that you would pour out your spirit. Oh, God, Holy Spirit, breathe on every man and on every woman as they keep their heads outstretched to you, Lord. God, if they've been battling anxiety or battling just uh, the vicissitudes of life, I pray today that you would set them free, Father. Release them today, God, to put their trust in you. Renew their faith today. Let this be a time of surrender. Let this be a time of, God, I give it all to you. You are the author and the finisher of my faith today. So, Lord, I pray. Oh, God, I pray for them. I pray for them. Receive from the Lord today. Receive by his spirit today. In the wonderful name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We declare today that Jesus is working in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. This is all about him. All about you, Lord. All about you, Father. It's all about the plan that you have today, God. It's not our plan, but it's your plan. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.